Hey there, good people of the interwebs. It's good to be back and on this side of a new year. I hope everyone has managed to escape the world of work and enjoy downtime with some Christmas dinner, maybe some mistletoe, definitely expanding waistlines, good old Saint Nick, and and old man winter stumbling into the new year. You know, I've been thinking about this podcast while on break, and I've decided to make a slight change to the format. Instead of the standard intro, I'm going to start with these episode notes, then then the intro, and then the episode. Tiny small tweak, right? No biggie. Well now. Time for me to pony up and get back on this horse. Hmm. <laughs> too goofy? A little bit too much, you think? All right, all right. Time to start delivering more campaign diaries, so let's return to Mii's recapitulations. In this episode, Oraki and Kaelin learn that the missing Daryl was the slave for Elbrum and Calidus. Akmenis meanders through the district of the Hyena, lost in Tuscali ruminations. Calidus. Calidus talks real estate at the offices of Wooden Tooth Construction, Elbrum goes under the knife. Elbrum passes out. Elbrum wakes and learns. He's a dad. As the sun sets, the Grey Company rejoin at the entrance to the Pallet Court. Time to deliver their pool of blood report, their evidence. They are brought to the court's inner sanctum, under the canopy of a massive rain tree. Waiting is the diplomat Jafar, scrawny, bald, Dodgy, and his master, the vampire Fatma. But where is Ahit, and where is their payment? Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-around good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is... The elf-marked wizard that likes to be out front, Calidus Magnus Lunior. The world tree-seeking human paladin, Kaelin Vendis. The tiefling paladin, steeped in lore, Akmenis. The Asmar warlock with a strange wrist leaf, Elbrum. And finally, a female knoll cleric that has visions of the restless prophet, Oraki. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds Virtual Tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, good people, welcome to the show. Okay, welcome, people of the interwebs. Once more, I'm here with Mick, and once again, for the second time only, we are doing our podcast immediately after running a session. So this is Thursday, August 2nd. All right, so in this session, what happened? You had finished off dealing with what was in the sewers. 
You had left the sewers. Onka went on her way. You had a conversation with Mehmet, and the party decided to just split off and go do some separate things. Ekmenos went to the library. Elbrum went to go and try to deal with the leaf on his wrist. The rest of the party returned to the apartment. And once at the apartment, Kaelin went to the river to do some praying, and Oraki went to the Grand Souk to, to sell some stuff. So we are picking up from there. And I picked up and started off with Ekmenos, who was at the library. And, of course, this you guys all left each other. It was 3.30 in the afternoon. You took earth sleds or walked to get to the locations that you needed to go. So this meant arriving at your destinations post 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So Ekmenos arrives at the library. He gets only an hour in the library because the library closes at 5 p.m. And while he's there, he hears gossip. He hears gossip that the high priestess Nefrini was going to be visiting the district of the hyena. He asked the receptions where to find information on the Tuscali because Ekmenos, Ekmenos is very concerned with the Tuscali. He actually comes from Kush, one of the cities in Kush, which I can't remember the name of, but he was sent to, to learn more about the Tuscali. The incursions are the, to the people in the north are affecting quite a few people and they need to know what's going on. The war from 60 years ago, to those that survive long, it's important to them. They do not want another invasion because that war was costly. He's come to learn as much as he can about what's going on. So he went to the library. He's trying to find out some more information. When he's there, he does hear about what's going on in the other district, about the death of the cats, that the high priestess Nefrini was heading over to the district of the hyena. And the other bit of gossip was that there was murder in the lioness district. Which, I mean, he just ignored his gossip and he went into the stacks to find the books. And there's some in different languages, languages that he didn't understand. And he picked the books that had were written in common to find out that some details about the Tuscali, about the types of home the Tuscali have. And at the end of the day, that is up to him. I, I did that in private whispers within Fantasy Grounds as things that he learned because... It's one of those things where when you are giving out details, you have to be, or at least I like to be sure of what it is that you're, you're giving out that if everybody hears, then they might have that information and use that in some other scene where in fact they really don't know that because this is something that Ekmenis learned. So it's really up to Ekmenis now to take all the, like I probably sent him three or four paragraphs of things that he learned and then I took him into a private channel as well to talk about a couple of the th specific things that he learned. And then it's up to him on what he decides to tell you guys. The whole point of that is because it's easier to play surprise or what the hell when you don't actually know and when it's revealed at that time. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's very similar to the point when you guys, well, Akmenis and Kaelin and Oraki are, are not, they don't know the history of the things that you guys have done with Hakan, Rahid, and Mr. Senna and Karima. So when things get revealed, they're like, oh, oh, they're surprised. Like the whole vampire business. Yeah, well, I mean, they've done that. Did that in this game, there are a couple of, can you fill me in? What's the story about Daryl? Yeah, well, yeah, that was actually really, actually quite interesting because at this point, I thought uh, we'd done all. I thought Daryl had been filled into all of them, but obviously not. That's one of those things that they might have heard his name, but it, it was like the the scene when Akmenis was in there. He seen this knoll 
who was on the bed and he smashes her with a warhammer before he finds out that yeah now she's gagged and manacled and he's like oh oh well i guess probably shouldn't have done that you know well he just it surprisingly he didn't know who she was i, I was surprised i thought he was going to really try to do some damage but he decided that oh I, I don't know what his process or what his decision why he left her but that was onka and how would he know her and i, I was and that was one of the things i he didn't look though before he hit her that was the no thing. he did he did well and i go from passive perception a lot and unless someone says i'm going to look i won't do anything but passive but even then even if he had like a passive perception of 18 which is oh, ridiculous it's very high i mean you and oraki have 16 which is ridiculously mm. high so what i mean how would he know so at at the end of the day the point is is that i was very careful about everything that i did in setting up that scenario i did not want Onka's name to appear anywhere where someone might be like, Oh, there's Onka. I see Onka on the map. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure none of that was clear. Even the token that I used, I hope that nobody would recognize. So that at one point when one of you came in, I could say, There's Onka. And you guys would yeah. Onka! Hey! How you think doing? Like, yeah, uh, my, my... And then all of a sudden, the, per the other person that was smacking her is like, Oh God, I just smacked the friend? I am so sorry. <laughs> I did not. Well, when he when he when he laid into her, I thought, oh god, he's laid into Karima. This is well, not going to end well. That, that's just it too, right? Yeah. It could have been, and that's what I. That's why to me. And until you say, oh, it's Onka, we can't actually say stop. Well, that's that's right because you don't really know. And to me, those are big reveal moments where your guys' reaction, your guys' reaction to me, that's payment. When yeah. when I get good reactions from you guys, because I mean, payment for a DM comes in, in two forms, I think, is when you guys retain key story bits of information yep. and then all of a sudden disclosing something and you guys, oh, yes, this is related to blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, oh, good, they've retained that. That's payment for me. Or when you guys have these reactions where it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. That makes yep. me feel good. That means the, the story is having meaning, it's having impact, and it's not. Because I, I have to admit, there's a few things where I've, like, I've been involved with some other DMs and I, I have been trying to pay attention to more of these streamed shows where I've noticed that it seems like, and with some of the stream shows, it seems like where they've got the webcams on the, on the players, it seems that they are not engaged. And that could be two things. It could be the DM's storytelling is, or it could be that they're trying to multitask. I'd say the multitasking thing is probably highly likely. Well, yes, especially with streaming. If like if they're trying to watch the Twitch stream and respond to people that are watching it as well. Well, it's it's no different than than when you're trying to take notes. A lot of time too, when you're taking notes, yeah. it's difficult to stay involved and take notes. Yeah, it's a challenge, and sometimes you get mixed but out. But the reveal moments are points that even if you're doing that, if you're taking notes, it's like that's a moment at which you stop taking notes and go, "Oh my God, what happened?" Yeah. And so, so that, that's why I made a very specific point with Ekmenas that there are certain things that I wanted to say that he discovered that they could turn out to be big aha moments. Hmm. There's no way for me to know if it will be a big aha moment unless at some point in the future you guys are at that place and then, and then it becomes, right? So yeah. I, I love the idea of being able to use Discord and Fantasy Grounds to reveal certain things to certain people that the other people are not aware of. And that ties back into like when new players come into things like this. So again, in this situation, 
leaving Akmenis at the library, the library's closing, and then he, he leaves the library, then switch scene to you guys at the apartment, yeah. and you're there trying to transcribe some spells. The first bit of downtime, I want to transcribe some spells from this other spell book into my spell book. Had fun with that for a bit, but to me, they received this card, and on the card was, we'll trade Daryl for your Vrillstone. And... <laughs> and... It's at this point that I have to ask the question, is this a significant plot point or is this just a bit of life comedic relief? No, I have been waiting for a moment to plug that because I was sitting there. <laughs> this ties back and I don't have I don't have a problem, but do you guys remember the first time you found the real stone and yeah. you cast Detect Magic and it just went poosh, purple light was everywhere yep. and then Magic you went to lit up the town square yeah. lit up yeah. and so you went to the store and you asked the lady to identify and again she cast identify while holding on to it and shh, all of a sudden you guys yeah. were aware of everything Whoa. she did some preliminary work onto it and and she was very interested and she wanted to buy it from you hmm. at that point i i'm not sure why you didn't sell it to her oh it's i think that we are a group of people that when we can see the inherent value in something even though we have no idea what it does so the inherent value in the eye for example it has an inherent value everybody wants it we know that it's valuable we certainly wouldn't sell it early on and as we found out it had something to do with the cats and chasing the cats around town and all that kind of stuff and, and sorting out what they had to do we would come to recognize that this is an object that we shouldn't own because we don't... One, we don't have enough understanding of it, but two, we are not the people that should own it. I think, we've, we've, we're, I think we're quite adept at figuring out where these types of objects belong, where these relics belong. And there are people that should have them and the people that shouldn't have them, and we're just the person that might find them and carry them along as we go. And I, th I think that that's what we do. So selling the real stone, we recognise that it's a powerful object. It's incredibly rare. We don't know how to control it or what it does. And at the point at which it was revealed what it did by someone who has but them... But remember, she didn't quite know exactly what it did, but she she seen she what it was doing she and she... It, she had some and she knew how to use them. She didn't have anything to do with real stone. She didn't know what it I was. I think she had real stone. No, 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 no. Not the not the lady at the no, no. Fatma. Late, later on. Later on. But I mean, later the, on at the Blood Lake. But the point was, at the very first person when she identified and identified yeah. anything in store, almost immediately after that, she wanted to buy it. Yeah. And, and you didn't want to sell like, it. We're not going to sell it to you. We don't know enough, and we're not going to hand over a relic or an item of importance. Yep. But the the to consequence to me is that what would someone like that do? after seeing an item like that, do you let it go? You see something like this and it's a powerful object and it's a world of magic. Here's something that's old but new. To me, I would think that that person would be like, they would be talking about it to their inner circles. Yeah, absolutely. And so information would leak out. Absolutely. So I've been waiting a long time because yes, I was like, well, how long would it take for information to leak out to the people who <laughs> want to hear I, certain things? Yeah, about five and a half days. <laughs> a very, very short amount of time. So yeah. to me, what you guys don't know, and I, I don't know, whatever, perhaps I'm revealing this too soon or not, but Milo found out about it. Yeah. And Milo was inter interested and right away. And it's clear to see right this is away. how we found out about it. That's you know, right. From her 
through the Somehow. channels. Somehow. Yes, through channels. It. We don't know who Because the fact is, is, is it's not like was. you guys were but using it, this out in the open that everybody yeah. could see. No, no. He heard through channels. And through channels, he arrived at the refugee yeah. camp tent because that's where he knew you guys were at. Hmm. So there are still some unanswered questions, which yeah. I won't reveal. But, but if yes, Milo he is, did go But there. if Milo is a big, bad wizard bloke, mm-hmm. right, and he's heard about this, and he's not a traitor, he's not like a Rahid or a Hakan who are in the business of buying and selling, but if he's a person that is like an end user who is going to exploit this for all it's worth to bring down a dynasty or control the world then we look at that and go well you're not the kind of person that that should have it if it's going to go to people that are going to control the world then they need to have some kind of reputation for being reasonable and and sensible and if we don't know you and we don't know where you come from we're not just going to sell it to you and so that becomes the logic about the daryl thing firstly we don't have it so it's a, a bit of a moot point but even if we did have it or we found another one would we give it to someone we don't know, so here, given that here, we now know how it works? Here's the thing, though. The, but the Milo, question if, was, was it comic relief? No, absolutely no. not. The introduction of Milo, yeah. I was looking for time <laughs> to pass. Milo into the, I yeah. was looking specifically for time to pass where I could, you guys come back to wherever it was that you're living, and it's been ransacked, or something has happened where I could say. So I finally had the opportunity to introduce Milo, and this is how I introduced him. At which point, Mick points to the green tin sitting on the bench in the kitchen. Oh, shit, It's a yeah. tin of Milo. Milo. <laughs> <laughs> right, Australian brand it, Milo Australian brand for... Of a product, yeah. what, is it chocolate Milo milk or something? Chocolate, chocolate additive that you add yeah. to milk. Yeah, so we call it Milo. So you've introduced a tin of chocolate crunchy stuff. Yes. Okay. Who's interested in the Verilstone. And he is. So, and yeah, that, knows, that, that, that had nothing is. to do with comic relief. That was just... Yeah. Waiting for an, an opportunity. It's a shame, it's a shame to... that the opportunity arose after we unloaded. Well, the and the thing, the thing is, to me is, as well, like I told you before, the Verilstone was just an, an oddity that I was, yeah. all right, let's let them have this thing. And then it's become so much more. Yeah. And at one point, when Asher the Barbarian was still in there, that's when I came up with the idea of people who might want the Verilstone. Mm. So it's been waiting to be introduced for months. Yeah. Almost a, uh, oh God, six months I've six been waiting. <laughs> and finally it's there. So finally, yes, I, I managed to introduce that. So yes, you guys found in your apartment as you returned, there was a couple of invoices for you to pay some bills to yeah. fix the wall, the hole in the wall that Calidus did in the one shot that he didn't realize was a one didn't shot. Was a one shot that was a real game. <laughs> when Elbrum came to do his one shot yeah. and, and, and Mick couldn't figure out, why can't we do this? <laughs> it's a one shot. It's a one shot. Finally, halfway through, it's a one shot. Oh, in that case, yeah, I'm going right. to go and join the one shot instead of hanging around on the outside. So the hole in the wall, the accidental anyway, hole. In. Anyway, so Bill was to be fixed. And then, of course, the on, that was just bills that were slipped underneath the door. And this was not slipped under the door. It was a nice card that was displayed on one of the coffee tables directly inside. So to me, the implication of it being inside, I I thought this would have meaning. Not to us, because there, I mean, if the owner of the building knows there's a hole in the wall, then anyone could know there's a hole in the wall and they could walk through it and stick the card on the table. Yep. So... But I and wanted we thought uh, that no one would know about the hole in the wall because it's covered. So the problem there becomes, okay, well, if the owner found out about it, then everybody in their dog knows about it. Our place could have been ransacked and everything could have been stolen. That's right, but it yeah. wasn't. So it wasn't stolen. So That's right. 
Like, let's so go. did everybody know about the hole in the wall? Yeah. Anyways, well, anyone, this, anyone this was a, 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 a conversation that Oraki and Kalen were having because Kalen came back from having his prayers and his sudden yeah. insight. And again, this this kind of ties a little bit to because Ackman has had a conversation with me after the session about his character. And this comes to me as well because like, he's like, God, I mean, are we going to go and pursue what, what Kalen just discovered? To me, that's up to you guys. I mean, I will seed things on what I find important. There will be times that certain things are going to happen that will impact you guys in terms of what the overall objective is. But where you guys go and what you guys choose to do is up to you. And if I seed and you guys go left and maybe I wanted you to go right, I can only see so much. <laughs> yeah. And if at the end of the day, you guys decide that you are going to follow Ekmenus, or if you're going to follow Elbrum, or you're going to follow Calidus, and whichever adventure suits your group, that's up to you. So, Kalen had this little insight, but he's back. He's talking with Oraki. They're talking about this, and Kalen's just like, What? A slave? And of course, Oraki's really not even aware of the slave, because the slave preceded her coming to, to, to you guys as well. And that he disappeared and, and preceded he her really, as well. He never really actually made it as a slave. Did, I don't think he ever... Well, he was a slave. He, he was he Hakan's was a slave, slave. But when, he took him back, when we took him back to the tent, yep. he didn't... I don't think he was there long enough to be treated as a slave. Well, he was, he, he was, he was huddled up in a ball because uh, yeah. he just his three brothers had just been killed by you yeah. guys. And he had been sent to your tent with Mistress Henna and Rahid because you guys were basically under house, house arrest. arrest. And he was curled up in a ball for them at one point. Yeah. But it was and then Rahid Ventus who was trying to open him up and, and through yeah. some conversations and discord and stuff like that, tried to get to him. So eventually when he did come out of his ball, he just assumed the role that he had been doing forever, which was being a slave, yeah. taking care of the household. But he only, he only did it for a couple of days before he was sent off to... Yeah, you guys sent him for a massage. You gave him some a cash massage, to go get cash, a massage. Go a massage, and we never saw him again. That's right. So we didn't... So the, the idea that he was our slave as opposed to just being a slave, I think that that's... that's uh, but this was really this was slave. fun role play, though, because Oraki and Kalen were sitting there talking about slave, and, and he's like... Kalen's like, he's your slave? Not, not my slave. This was before before I joined the Great Company. I don't know. Where's Calidus? <laughs> Calidus is in his room trying to transcribe some spells. Yeah. As they come in there, you're starting to choke because <laughs> you were using the wrong ink in doing the transcribing process and the, yeah. the mending spell backfired on you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all of your clothing was trying to mend itself and yeah. was choking you. So any yeah. which way. You stopped that short, and then they started drilling you about Daryl. And that was just fun hearing your response, because at the end of the day... I think that they... I mean, that's the thing. They, they, they saw Daryl as being a your typical, I don't know, cotton-picking slave in, in the South in the 1800s. Well, and the thing and, is... And, and, and I, is... I, see Darryl, I see Daryl as being the, the unfortunate byproduct of our over-enthusiasm, who was with us for a day or two, and... And really, in the grand scheme of things, he, I saw him as being someone that we were going to incorporate into our party. Here's the other thing, too, though. you got to remember, too, is all of you guys are refugees that have been there for yeah. six months. You are very well versed and aware that the dragon folk 
are all slaves in Nuria Natal, and they are all wearing slave collars. You're well versed in the history of the Maharati Empire being big enemies to the Southlands. They, they're hated. Yeah. But Kalin comes from Midgard. He comes from an area where this is not the case. The dragon folk are not slaves. And so him coming into this area, he's got very limited exposure to what goes on in Purvastet and seeing these slaves and finding out of slaves, he has this reaction. But also as refugees, we don't see them as slaves. Because we're refugees and because of the way that we we were treated in the in the, in the process to get here and then once we've got here as refugees we don't live in the town we live outside in the tents yep. we don't have the luxuries they have the luxuries you we guys get, get um, huge refugee discounts yeah, you yeah. gotta wear the refugee <laughs> the refugee say, band that gives you the discounts yeah the only thing we get is the refugee band on a discount but that assumes that you can buy something because we don't have jobs so we're out there trying to scrounge a living inside a refugee scrounge camp. Scrounge a living? You guys are filthy rich now. <laughs> we are now, but we weren't when we started. So our experience, where we come from, is not, is not one of being the Grand Overlord. We might have been Grand Overlord in the town that we lived in before, and there may be Grand Overlords in the place in Purbastet now where we are. But our journey has, has pretty much moved the whole concept of slavery yep. to a different level. What we saw as slaves in our previous lives... We now look back on and go, oh, hang on a minute, maybe this whole slavery thing isn't quite right. Mm. Maybe you should pay people and employ them to do jobs. Mm. And when we see Daryl, we don't see Daryl as a slave like the rest of the inhabitants of the town do. We see him and all the rest of the people that are actually slaves as just being you know, another character in the town. We're not going to run around and say, hey, you've got to stop slavery. We're not, we're not that. Our morals aren't that good. But, but and, we're and if, not going to embrace it. And the so thing that is, we have so, people that are, are, are slaves working for us. And he, here's the thing: or if we so, do, we'll pay them. Where you come from, and, and this was a couple of things because so, uh, we did a scene cut, and then we went and talked about Elbrum. And there was something that I mentioned in Elbrum's conversations with the elderly catfolk person that was mm. trying to aid him or heal him. I mentioned something that I hoped sunk into him, but I don't know if it did. And I hoped that it would tick with you as well. But again, I don't know if I it did. I was having issues at that time. Yeah. Well, this was to the fact that she said to Elbram, Oh, you're Asmar. So you're from Ishadia. Ishadia is the province that is directly south of the Maharati Empire in Midgard. Ishadia is where you come from. Your family was from a town in Ishadia. So... And the Asmar people in general tend, the, the majority of the Asmar people live in the Shadia. So I was curious to see if that anything sp- spins from that. But I mean, this is really comes down to, you know, how well do you know the Southlands? How well do you know where your character comes from and what, what that meaning is? And I think there's this, this break in understanding the game and the geography of the game yeah, and the yeah. backstory that I wrote. So I actually wrote well, a backstory. Well, and from, from your point of view, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect actually, I didn't actually to, identify any of know. the areas. And yeah. if you sit, talk to me about Southlands, it's having got a clue, we yeah. just have a map that we play on. Yeah, well, and that's, You should write me a geographic backstory so I understand where I, the, the route that I took to get to where I am. Well, then I'd have an understanding of what's going on. Yeah, well, and, and that's just it. In your story, we did talk about two cities in your story. One was the city of Shurupak, which is where your family came from, but you mm. went to school on the coast of Sakura. Mm. 
both of them are cities within the province of Ishadia. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't actually expect you to know because I don't I think it. you... Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't pay that much I don't attention think it to my backstory or my history anyway. No, it's not, no. It's not high on my list of things that I need to be concerned about. No, but the point was that they it was a word that could have impact at some point. Mm. Depends on what you guys decide to do, right? So, okay, so the Azamar from Ishadia. Elbrum doesn't know where he's from. Okay, mm. Ishadia. She says that I look like I'm someone from Ishadia. Maybe this is something that he wants to go and pursue. Hard could to say. be my twin it's, brother, again, but we were separated at birth. Well, it's it's those things you seed, you seed, you seed. So, for example, like even with Kalen, where Kalen popped out of inside the pyramid at the Tuscali hole, hmm. again, what was he doing? So he mentioned he's praying to the world tree and stuff like this, and he has this feeling to the south that is similar. So potentially there's another world tree to the south. Huge information for him. But in terms of his backstory, I mean, what's he going to do? So... Ultimately, again, going back to Ekmenes is worried about how well is he fitting in with the group and what the group is doing. Is it relevant to his own personal backstory? Well, hell, Kalida's backstory <laughs> is, you know, where you pursue it, what you guys decide to do is totally on you guys. So whether or not it's relevant and whether or not the Grey Company is doing anything related to anybody's backstory is directly proportional to how much effort you put into role-playing that as being important to you. And I think so far up until now, the only backstory that we've done has been Elbrum. Elbrum, as well as the elves, who was... Did we do backstory for the elves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the going into the web caverns, there was someone from their backstory that followed them. So they came from a different world. They came through a portal that brought them into this dimension. And they, you guys went into the caves... There was the zombies and the shadows that you guys fought. And then you found the, the treasure chest, which had three objects in it. Uh, yeah. One was okay. a climbing kit, and it, yeah. had, it had their mom's initials That's on right. it. Yeah, yeah. There was their mom's so dagger. Yeah. So, but they didn't tell you. This was one of those cases where they yeah, didn't tell you shit yeah. about that so this was the their current, mom. So when you look at the current group, the only one that we followed is a bit of Elrum. Well, there was... The box, but he and, and but you other... guys have never you you haven't pursued that at all, in terms of the little clues that I've given you about the box and and some of those things, Captain Deuteronomy and what that might mean and where. So those are all uh, other seeds that you haven't decided to follow. Yeah, and I think that comes down to where you perceive the group goes and whether it's important. Yeah. So the, if Ekmenis is so Calidus doesn't care about his backstory, mm. but if Ekmenis cares about his backstory. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, it's on him. That was what I it's said to him. him. I was like, so, yeah. you, "There's a lot of so extroverted guys here. And look, and you, you're going to have to pipe up, and you'll have to." I mean, ultimately, we have it's like with anything. South as well. If I want to go to McDonald's and you want to go to Hungry Jacks, we're going to McDonald's. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's, it's whoever like is going Jacks to anyway. Well, <laughs> it, it's either you're convincing me or my, I'm convincing you. Or we turn around and look in the back of the car and see if there's any small children and just let them choose. Of course, Always work. of course. But that's the whole point. At the end of the day, when you're worried about, are we pursuing a goal? That's up to you. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, I will seed stuff. I will seed stuff. What's important yeah. to me in order for the story to see some kind of conclusion. But on, in terms of your guys' direction, that's totally on and you. We have an option to go south. We have, there was yep. somewhere in there, there's something's been thrown into go south. I mean, right now, when you look at it, there is a go west, there's a go south and a go east. Yep. 
already. The only thing we're missing is a go north. Well, there we is a go a, north. Do we have a go north? What's yeah, because, north? well, Captain Deuteronomy was murdered oh, in Luxon. Yeah, that's true. Rahid returned yeah. to Luxon because that's where he didn't want to be in the yeah. city of cats anymore. Yeah, we don't care about where Rahid is, though. Yep. But there, yeah, okay. But we've got the go east for Rahid. We've got the go south. What was the go south? That's for... So going the, south, well, there's the Kush jungle to the south, the jungle, which is yeah. where Ekmanis is from. And go east was uh, the... Sedek Sawar is kind camel. of south, which is something you just learned about today. Yeah. You also learned that Cap- Captain Deuteronomy is from the south. And... Yes, from the southern fringe. Strange. He comes Look from the from southern me. fringe. Okay. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. This was when Mehmet was talking to you guys, when you guys finally met Lieutenant Mehmet in your guys' apartment with Karima mm-hmm. before you decided to go to the pallid, yeah. or to the blood pool. You guys oh. were having a conversation, and he was like, hey, by the way, do you know Captain Deuteronomy's dead? He was asking you if you knew anything more about Captain Deuteronomy because... All he knew was that, yes, they might have been friends, but he only knew that Captain Deuteronomy came from the Southern Fringe, which is a province at the very southern tip of the Southlands. Mm. And there was also... Which way was the blood pool? Was that a west? That was directly east. It was directly east? Yep. Okay. And there... I shared that map with you guys. You guys, you got to check out the map that I shared, the real-time board map. No, no, but for the benefit of the listeners, this is like painting the picture of... Yeah, so... Yeah, there are the blood four pool. different directions to yep. go in. Yep, and there's information there. And as well, the other thing, to the southwest, you've gotten little bits of clues. You found a map that was yeah, indicating something. Right. That was the one I was thinking of. That's in Lignus, the location in Lignus. There was wandering prophets wandering around out there somewhere too. Directly to the west, to the west. where... And that's an there Iraqi, was a vision that, and that's an Iraqi of Iraqi. backstory. Yep. I think yep. now is a good time to split the party and we can just go off in four different directions. Oh, well, that... that yeah. my, my, it's interesting uh, that every one of the directions holds something different for each of the people. So Iraqi needs to go west. She's got, had a vision of her and Karima meeting the, with the wandering prophet, yes. Yeah, So and south is for... The south the, has the, ties to you and has ties to Elbrum and, and ties to Akmenis. To the east. east. East is the tie for me for the Vril Stone, which is the Blood Lake. Yeah. And but then you've the, also got... But as well, the tie to the east is you met Fatma at the Pool of yeah. Blood. Who t- she was the one who gave you some big yeah. time information about the Vril Stone. But she, the very first thing she asked you is whether or not you were from Martis Vulagai, which is mm. directly to the west. And then you found out that she trained in the province of the yes. Dominion of the Windlords, which is directly to the west as well. Yeah. So there are a number yeah. of threads that tie you going west. There's a number of threads that tie you going south. And east. And realistically, that Captain Deuteronomy died to the north. Well, I can't remember if Kalen revealed that he arrived in the harbor of Luxon. Mm. And the ship that he was in, I don't know if he said... The ship that he was traveling in, they closed the harbor shortly after he arrived because they were investigating the murder of Captain Deuteronomy and the disappearance of his crew. Yeah. So there's two things between your connection with Captain Deuteronomy and the fact that he arrived there at the time of the murder were ties yeah. to Luxon. So and so you, you end up sort of going, you, you, when I say you split the party, it's everybody has a story in a, in a, in a different direction. Oh, absolutely. So, so where we go next is... I mean, is at any, the end of the day, it, it's guess. completely up to you guys to put top, the cards on the table and make a decision. And on top of that, we've got this thing about going out to the pyramid again for for the benefit of the 
antiquities yep. mob. Yep. And where did they want us to go and find gems and so an artifact? Yes, was, the palace court today. Palette so court today when you guys, go, well, I guess we should dial back a bit. So after yeah, discussing you guys at the apartment, scene cut again. Uh, we go to Elbrum, who is at one of the floating minarets that surrounds yeah. the dome of the many faces of Bastet. So he is up in this minaret. The receptionist who brought him up there on the flying carpet, she talks to someone at the door. The person comes out, waves off the receptionist. The receptionist takes the carpet back down. And so she meets with Elbrum out there, gives him a look, and then she's like, he waves him over and says, you know, hey, check it out. And down below, there's a commotion going on as there's a person uh, surrounded by a lo- bunch of cats. A lot of the pilgrims are surrounding and, and chatting and, and seem excited. He doesn't recognize anybody. The woman that he's with indicates that that is the high priestess Nefrini heading out on a procession. And he's like, oh, wow. But he, his perception was really shitty. I think he rolled a one. So yeah, he didn't see much of anything. And so the woman waves to the high priestess Nefrini and the the high priestess waves back. And then they enter into the minaret and they go up to the laboratory and she starts experimenting on on the leaf. And at one point, Elbrum, she pulls out a small scalpel to to cut at the leaf. And the little cut that she gave to the leaf causes Elbrum to black out. He knocks himself unconscious and learns that this is the lady says this is a Kajani child and she's not going to kill the child and that they are now somehow bonded by souls. Mm. And so she asks him, well, it would be good to reestablish connections with the Kajani. And she knew that the Kajani came from the jungle Kush to the south, but she didn't know what happened to them. Where are they? And that this is a Kajani child is very, very interesting because this was a people that, as far as she knew, had disappeared. So she wants to know more about it. How the hell did this happen? So he he tells her about light detail about what happened to the East at the Pool of Blood. And so this woman whose name was Bronze Thing, I think that's what I called her. I can't remember now. But she's just like, well, I mean, you have a few options. You could go back there, see what you can find out. You could head to Kush to see what you can learn. But realistically, there's not much I can do to remove this thing without potentially killing the baby or killing you both. So she's not interested in doing that without more information and ultimately find out more information about the child, but reestablish connections and she's willing to reward that. So Elbrum leaves, heads back out at 6 p.m., goes to meet you guys back at the apartment so that you guys can all head out to your meeting at the pallet court to finally Weeks and weeks and weeks of real life later, you're finally at the pallet court. It's finally evening. You can now do your report. And you get... And I loved the suspicion that Calidus <laughs> comes up with today about burying that guy at the kiosk who takes the blood. He's corrupt as hell. Why does he always ask us questions? <laughs> so all of a sudden... Barian's just like, who are you guys here to see and stuff like this? The court is closed off. I mean, I, I can't, I'm not really, you, you can't really just walk in. So he gives a call back to someone and a fellow comes the, up to the reason, The reason for the suspicion about that, yes, you're right. So Barian's sitting there and we rock up to, to tell him. And Barian seems to know a lot about what's going on. Okay, so he knows well, who he we is, are. He is at the entrance. He is at the entrance. And, and we come to go in to the pallet court 
Yep. And he stops us. Now, a minion sitting at a gate yep. isn't going to stop you when you reach the level that we've reached. So, <laughs> and that's why the suspicion <laughs> rises. When, this this when, is meta coming from Calidus in terms of game-wise. No minion well, should do this. Well, yeah, again, you get to this stage. Like, a minion is not going to... A minion's not going to ask you who you're going to see and what it is and all that kind of stuff. A minion's going to recognise you walking through the gate and know that you are not to be trifled with and know that you're there because you have an appointment. And he's not going to... But you guys he, don't actually have go, an appointment. This, this is one of those things where so much time has passed mm. that information well, is lost. No, even without the appointment, mm. a minion is not going to ask you questions of like, who are you here to see? A minion's going to go... Yeah, that's fine. I'll let... A minion's not going to ask you who you're going to see. They're going to go, I'll let them know that you're coming. So, there's a again, di- because there's a me, difference between how the minion responds. This if sounds are... very meta to me because how... Here you're saying we are of this level of this fame. Yeah. How would he know well, that? To... He knows that, no, no, he knows he knows that knows... you guys are getting a name, but how would he, he know? Knows... Well, he knows that we have been sent. For example, he knows we got sent on the smaller of the land ships to go out and solve this problem. We went with Captain Bubbles. We were sent to go to the Blood Lake. Mm-hmm. We had been there a couple of times before. He knows that they give us tasks to do, and then we come back and report. And that that should not be anything that is of his concern. It's like above his pay grade. Mm. And so when you get asked the questions at the start, and then when you go in and meet these two people, and you get this cock and bull story about what happened... Should we step into the cock and bull story part now? Sure. What's the cock and bull story? So we meet with Barian, yep. who gives us the third degree about who we are to, coming to see and tells us the place is closed. And we think, oh, what? what's your story? It is closed. Yeah. And then so we meet with two people we don't know anything about whose names are. You know, well, you don't know anything about, but you have seen Fatma before because you've seen Fatma the very first time you've seen Ahit as well. Yeah, Fatma and... And her Jafar. diplomat, Jafar. Jafar. So they are there. We've come to see our heat. And, and she's not there. She's not there. Yep. And we start talking to her and Jafar, and it smells. There's something wrong. There's that instinctive feel about the way... The answers come across. Again, another magnificent piece of role-playing. You do dodgy really well. <laughs> you can do dodgy and you can do honest dodgy and then you can do just honest. But this was like dodgy dodgy. And we got the feeling that this was not quite right. Khaled has got this feeling. The other guys, the other guys were I had like, this feeling. I had you're this like, feeling. can we step out for a moment? And the guys are like, the hell's going on, Calidus? <laughs> See, I had this feeling even before the role that you did. So yep. there was not, not even... Before you sent me the message, I had this feeling like, hang on, this, this is just dodgy. The, the, every time I asked you a question about where she'd gone and what she'd been doing, because your response is, is either the... There's either the, oh, my God, I hadn't prepared for that. Like, you don't say it, but I can tell because I know you that this is the, oh, my God... I wasn't prepared for that one. That one came out of left field. And then there is the the role-playing part where it's like, he's asked me a question and they're dodgy and I need to think up a dodgy answer. So it comes across as being unbelievably dodgy. So every response in that role-playing session was about you lying to me 
And it worked out perfectly because I'm sitting there thinking, like, he's lying, he's lying, he's lying, or she's lying, she's lying. They're both being incredibly dodgy. And then you say, do an inside check, and I do the inside check, and guess what? They're lying. <laughs> so I actually had a ball in that. I thought that was brilliant because that was great. Even without the inside check, I'd already come to the position that they were dodgy as hell. But and you, then we find you, out that they're dodgy. Here, they here's say the that funny thing that north, I but... thought was that looking at one of the... Res- uh, was it Akmenis that was saying it, or was it Kaylin? that was saying that Jafar, what, what's wrong with your voice? What's wrong with your voice? And yeah, like to me, that. what I wanted to do with Jafar was he's a skinny, bald guy. Skinny's a toothpick, bald guy. So I was just yeah. like, he's got to have a husky, husky, bloody deep voice because it's just so not what you would think of yeah. when you've seen that person. So, of course, I used the pitch shifter yeah. on the digital <laughs> mixer to drop down an octave or a semi-octave or whatever. And that's the voice I wanted to use for him. And so I got the feeling that by some of the questions asked from one of those guys was that they didn't trust him because his voice was deep. And I was like, well, that's really a... Then I really pushed the nah. discrimination bit because I was just like, nah. whoa, what are you going there? I was just like, yes, he reveals his fangs and whatnot. So now you know he's a vampire because Oraki well, wanted to identify him. to be that. a vampire though. Well, Oraki tried to... Court. Uh, Akmenis tried to identify him because Ekmenis was like, I want to know, you know, is he what he seems to be? And she rolled a perception. I was like, yes, yeah, she's human. Your perception check was shit. It's a human. You didn't see, notice anything else. And it was at this point, I was just like, yeah, here's his fang. He is actually a vampire. He's a human vampire. Yeah. And it's one of those things too. Like, for example, when we dealt with the sewers and the were crocodiles, in your mind, you think were crocodile, you think human were crocodile. You don't think some other race wear a crocodile. I think that was something that I came across too, because yeah, I remember the true. very first time I, th- I read that Abdul Haq was a knoll, yeah. but a wear a crocodile, because you're like, well, a knoll is... A knoll is a knoll. Yeah, yeah, you just don't think, for me, automatically wear creatures, lycanthropic creatures, yeah. were always human. Same thing with vampires, that there was something else. And that, that's part of the reason why I specifically made a heat was a catfolk vampire. And in this case, to me, I wanted Jafar to be, well, you know, Disney and Jafar from Disney and Aladdin. I wanted him to look like that, except he's bald, but he is the stereotypical skinny, bad looking dude who has to be a vampire. And yes, okay. he was a vampire. Yep. So, you know, I was really pushing that this discrimination bit with regard to that. But that being said, the dodgy answers was. Yeah, the dodgy answers were great. Yep. And, and and so we find out that, yeah, these guys are dodgy. And I suspect that ba- uh, Berian is dodgy as well. And we find out that Jafar and uh, uh, and Fatma are saying that Ahit's gone north. Yep. She's gone to the city of Nuria, which is the capital yeah. of the province Nuri Natal. And then we go outside and suspecting that Barian is dodgy, we ask the same, we ask where she has gone and we get given... A totally different answer. That's right. He says she's gone east. Gone to the small city of Sawal to meet yeah. an oracle. And there are a couple of possibilities there. One possibility is that they've disguised, you know, she has honestly gone north and it's such a secret mission that even Barian doesn't know about it. Mm. But given everything that he has said in the past, we, I, would, I would tend to believe that he knows exactly what's going on. Mm. So he's all over it like a rash. Mm. Yeah, I think she's gone east. Berrien is elf-marked, as yeah. you are. Yeah, we're brothers. Yep. We're pals. 
well, he tried to get more information because he, at one point, many sessions ago, when you guys were there at a, for some previous reason, yeah. he started to try to talk to you about your family history because yeah, he wanted I to go into, any. you know, he <laughs> knew exactly where yeah. his family branched and became elf-marked because yeah. it was a so sense of pride for him. And he started badgering you to find out when that happened for you, who was the elf in your family. So I didn't know. So he tells you that Ahit is gone to the east to meet the, yeah. the oracle, Fatma, who, for all intents and purposes, you learned after you, and you paid Barian to keep quiet. You gave him 10 yeah. gold pieces to keep his mouth shut. Yeah. But you were asking as well, Fatma and Ahit, where do they sit in the hierarchy of things? And he's like, I, I believe they're below Lady Alasha, and they each have a diplomat. Ranjit is mm. Ahit's, and, and Jafar is Fatma's. And, but he's like, Fatma takes care of the day-to-day -day business for the pallet court, and Ahit tends to do more... Undercover stuff. Yeah. 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 Does so the, he, he, he lets you know those things. things. So yeah, why would Fatma say that she went to Nuria and did she go to Nuria? But you you did ask as well, well, where is your guys' sand ship? And Fatma said, well, Ahit took it. Yeah. And you got Barry and confirmed that Ahit did take it. Because mm. you guys yeah, were so asking going, about Captain yeah, Bubbles so and then you were asking... Yep. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. so and then I, you... I have a tendency to believe him. Yep. I believe I have a tendency now to believe Berrien and that he is not in cahoots with him. He's not... Do he's not... Well, and then you started he, trying to paint his, the picture that you his, were interested his... in Bubbles, who's the captain of oh, the yeah. Falcon's Blessing. Yeah. And he was just like, you're an elf marked and you're, you're interested in a cat folk? What are yeah. you doing, dude? Yeah, it's all right. So we pushed that little bit, yeah. a little bit. Ran that a bit uh, wild. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, some of that role playing was Took really that one really into good. the gutter this... in no time flat. Yeah, we yep. Do that. Yep. Yep. That happens. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it was good role play. I mean, uh, this was a role play intensive session. Yeah. The end of which you guys are finally all going back go to your home have to rest. have a long, uninterrupted rest. And, and that was quite... fine until someone said, what's the calendar to, for tomorrow? Yep. And then out came a list of 28 things that we have to do tomorrow. Yeah, there's a few things. I didn't realise it was that loaded, but tomorrow's like, yeah, up the wazoo with... Not really. I mean, I think there's, Oraki has to go pick up her armour. in the morning. You guys Got are going to meet Farouk because you I'm wanted to question him in the morning. If, he's, if he's seen go Milo. Go see the GFA. You said you wanted to go see the GFA. And at the end of the day, again, do you guys go meet Farouk? Do you guys go and pick up Oraki's? Well, I think this is the thing that's going to happen tomorrow. It will be wake up. And this is the thing that came back to Ekmenis is we wake up in the morning and then figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. The list is, From the that list point of view, is like huge. You put your cards on the table and you go. And this is one of those things like I sit there and I think there are so many threads. Yeah. There's no way I can prepare. Nope. 50 freaking threads on which way to Never go. Never going to happen. And I don't. So like, for, for example, today, I thought of, okay, I know that Elbrum is gone to this minaret. Did I really think out and fully plan out he's going to go to the dome, he's going to go into, and he's going to get up into the minaret? No. no. When he said that he wants to go to a healer, I was like, well, where? And he's like, I want to go to the best temple, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. And I was like, Cathedral-wise, there's the dome, but every city's got a cathedral to some deity yeah. or not. But which one? He's like, the biggest one for Bastet. And I was like, well, that's got to be the headquarters for the temples of Bastet, the religion of Bastet, and that's up on the hill. And so he went there, and I was just like, 
Yeah, cool. Well, I remember Mick talking about how he wanted to go to the floating minarets. So, yeah, that's, all right, that's, she's in the floating minaret. Uh, yeah. And then I just, so in terms of today, I was like, who is Bronze thing and what is interesting to her? And for Ekmenis, I thought, well, is there going to be someone specifically that he's going to interact with? And I was waiting to see. For me, one of the things I thought of is I wanted to say there's information about the Tuscali, but it's in many different languages. So mm. as far as any interaction that I was thinking of was just that, well, if he comes to the receptionist and wants to do translation, well, there's consequence to that and what that would mean. And the only other thing that I thought about was, well, who is Jafar and who is Fatma? And that's it. I thought of mm. those three NPCs specifically, and that's the only thing that and I went And then the whole with. thing just got completely out of control. That was good for the first 10 minutes. That's yeah. what you thought about. And then we spent the next three and a half hours trying to figure out how to rein this thing back in again. I don't it's know. like a freight train out of control, isn't I it? I don't think it went out of control at all. I, I thought it, everything seemed no, fairly I, natural. I love the fact that the guys it, it, started it, to <laughs> hammer you about Daryl and a slave. I thought that was great. And, I, and it was that, really interesting I mean that about, Elbrum wasn't there because I'm just imagining where would Elbrum have taken that at? <laughs> that's what I mean. It's out of control. Yeah. There, are, there are a few of us that are just wandering merrily off on our own little directions. And I can see why poor old Menace is sitting there going like, where's my part in this? Yeah. But, but if you, this is the other thing too. I mean, this is about playing with the group. Yep. And if you look at what uh, Iraqi has done, Iraqi started out being Ekmenis, yeah. you know, quiet, sitting in the corner, and now Iraqi's off and running amok. He's running amok like I run amok and like Elbrum runs yep. amok. We just go out, we, we just do these yeah. strange, bizarre things. Somewhere in our brains we think, oh, yeah, this is a logical thing, this is what I would do, and then we open our mouth and say, this is what we do, and the rest of us go like, oh, hang on a minute. That's weird. Oh, yes, let's go and do weird. Yeah. Well, and, and, and here's the thing, too. Like, we've had just one session where you guys went somewhere, and I was like, okay, we're calling this one now because I didn't want that specific encounter to be anything other than something memorable. So that was like, okay, yeah, you guys have taken it to this plate. Let's stop it there. Let's call the session. So I got time to think about, more time to mm. think about what, what to do with this to make it something better or more meaningful than me being completely off the cuff. Yeah. And here's the thing too, like next week, I imagine it's going to be the same thing. Uh, my advice to Ekmenis was like, you got to put your cards on the table. If you don't assert the things that are important to you and say why they're important to you. I mean, how what do you think people are going to magically go in a direction that you want? Oraki wants to go meet the wandering or restless prophet. I don't think anyone else does. I think he's, he's, he's on his own on that one. Well, it depends because Elbrum does have a thing for Karima, and if Karima's yeah. wants, if if Karima well, she goes, he'll go. Yeah, and there is the the benefactor for the hungry siren that Lieutenant Mehmet and Karima both hinted at the fact that you do that, there's a good chance that the benefactor is going to do something, take care of all of the expenses or something like this. I'm right. looking confused now. This is the look of me being confused. Makes great radio. What do you mean? The benefactor of the Hungry Siren. Was so the Hungry Siren is the group. Time. Okay, remember the Hungry Siren is the group that Princess Karima and Lieutenant Mehmet belong ah, to. I they revealed. I mustn't have, I mustn't have been in. Yeah. Well, was it early on? So it was revealed last session that that was the name of the group that they belonged to. Yeah. And it was revealed that they have a benefactor. There's someone that funds their organization for okay. a very specific reason, and and part of that is to prevent certain things from 
going too big. And this, this discovery of this artifact that could potentially influence small and big cats in the city is huge. So the benefactor wants to be involved in this. He, he's specifically tasked Mehmet and Karima, all right, to solve it. take care of this. Okay. Now, who is this benefactor? And I did not do Freudian slips in last week when I said he every once in a while. That was very intentional, was when they were questioning Mehmet about the benefactor that he kept letting it slip that it's a he. Hmm. And then, of course, they tried guessing and they came up with, I mean, they were just saying <laughs> any old name <laughs> trying to guess who who this benefactor would, would be. Yeah, it's the Black Sultan. But that's just it. So Rahim. someone is keen. So when Karima found out about Oraki's vision, and you were there for that because this was at the very beginning of that session, she was like, wow, yeah, this is divination. Yeah, uh, I never thought about going out there. I'm I'm from this city. But all of a sudden, Oraki's like, oh, God, you're connected to potentially one of the people from my tribe, the Kuru tribe. And so, of course, she's all over that, connected to her tribe. Good Lord, let's do it, let's do it. So I can imagine Oraki's going to be like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And Elbrum, is he going to be pushing, oh, man, let's head south, you know. I, today, at the very end, he's hinted that I want to find someone in a black market because I want to get this removed. And <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, here's me saying, oh, boy, this could be the death of Elbrum. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, well. Whether we stay in or, or, or go, that's going to be the... To me, uh, just the thought of another sort of off into the sunset. It's absolutely is... in terms of what do you want to do. And, and in fact, is is there was Calidus as well. You guys go and you meet Cyphrus to pay off the bill. Also, to you wanted to question yeah. her about who the hell this Milo guy was. And then all of a sudden, the conversation turns to real estate and converting the hunt into new prime real estate that you guys could own. Oh, yeah, I just love... I'm, look, I'm, <laughs> I do. All the guys are like, is this Mick saying this or is this Calidus? Where is this coming from? Well, this is a bit of both. I think the thing was that I clicked on the pin. The map was up and I clicked on the pin and and I noticed... And you notice things that you're so busy playing, you notice things that you don't notice before. And I clicked on the pin and it said it was in the hunt and you could go to the hunt. And and then from that I was able to get a, a better picture of how big the hunt was and the fact that there was nothing in there. But when you read the description of the hunt within the game, it says the hunt consists of a whole lot of run-down empty buildings, some of which are great, historic, magnificent. We can go and we can have a palace for a dollar <laughs> and then we can get her to come and fix it up. And hence the questions about mm. why people don't live in the hunt. Mm. Her answer to that was because of the stories. We actually don't superstition. know. The superstition, yeah. So the superstition is why people don't live in the hunt. Yep. And so maybe going to the hunt when you're fully prepared and staying a night or two mm. would be an interesting exercise mm. to see what's going to happen. Because right now we're paying rent for something that we don't own. The hunt sits there. And to me, if you moved into the hunt and there's no one there but a bunch of thieves and crooks and that, then that's probably a pretty good place to be because we have the reputation we're going to move in here with the rest of you guys and you know what's going to happen if you try and steal from us. You know, <laughs> we're going to come after you and you know that's not going to end well. So it's probably a fairly safe bet and everyone is, so, is probably going to be so dodgy that to pay the people that live in that area, that still remain in that area, to look after your stuff isn't going to be a bad idea. And the other thing that you can do is you can then turn around and say, well... There is an upside to financing and restoring the hunt 
and letting the people that are the dodgy crook people that are in there live there. We're going to upgrade this, our building, and the four buildings around it. And by the way, the people that watch our building can live in the four buildings around it. And here, here it comes and, down to at the end of the day. And then you start expanding the whole of this, this suburb. And this, this is where it comes down to at the end of the day. All right, guys. Uh, oh, it just died. Ah, look at that. We can't, you're going to leave that as a cliffhanger because one of the batteries on our microphone packed. All right, good. lost my battery. So we were wrapping things up there. We were talking, where were we? We were talking about the going into the hunt. Oh, yeah. So starting a real estate development. That's right. So the next morning, you guys get up and it's going to be, yeah, Jesus. The Trump hovel section. That's right, because you guys, you did start messing around with Trump when you started talking about yeah. real estate there. But the next day, it's going to come down to morning comes, you guys decide, do you go meet Cifras to find out Farouk, to learn something about Milo? Do you want to start up a real estate thing? Does Ekmenes assert himself to say, let's go chase after this, or Oraki to go here, or Elbrum to go here? And there's, in the back Kalen. of the whole thing is there's the, the gem mining Yes, Out why? In the countryside. Why Even is that? if they're crooked, we could still run this whole That's import right. export business. That's right, because at, at the end, what did Fatma and Jafar ask? They're like, yeah. okay, well, we don't know what Ahit promised you, but she'll be back. We'll make sure you guys get paid. But in the meantime, how about you guys become ambassadors and go out there to Sedex of War? We would like to yeah. get some mining operations started up. And it's interesting because if they're dodgy, that does mean that if you bring the stuff back to the town, back to Pervestet, there is a market for it somewhere. And they're doing it the, ba- the bad way, but if you did it the right way, it probably worked pretty well for you. So there's another business enterprise that's going begging. What would be the good way? It would be to do the same thing, but not the way that they're doing it. So no. if they're, I'm imagining that what they're talking about is bringing the stuff back with an aim to do something underhanded, you mm-hmm. know, overthrow the government, who knows. Yep. whatever it is, yep. use the... And they were talking about rare gems yep. and rare metals yep. that would be used for fabricating magic items by the sound of it and that they could then use to, say, raise an army. This is where so, Mick is making all kinds of guesses. Yeah, there's all these wild things. So we could turn around and we could say, okay, well, yeah. Maybe if you weren't... not going to say a thing. That's okay. So you, can be, <laughs> you get to be quiet now. <laughs> so shut up, I'm talking... So we bring the, you have this option of then you know, bringing the stuff back and not necessarily using it for the purposes that, that they're talking about. Not for obtaining power, but for doing good. And at the end of the day, you don't know other than you, these guys seem shady. So yeah, what's going on? Good question. Who knows? But that being said, we've hit our hour marker. So I think that's probably good enough. And we pretty much covered what happened in the session. So I think we can call it quits. Until next time, good people of the interwebs, we'll see you again in a week. That's it. That's all she wrote. Hello, good people of the interwebs. This episode is now done, dusted, and finished. I do hope you enjoyed it, and I'll be back in just one week.